Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. You're listening to guest host Deb Hutton. And I say it every day. You know what I'm going to say. My favorite time of the program. It is when I am joined by some smart people we call smart speakers. Today, those individuals are Matt Gurney, co-founder and editor of The Line, which is an online magazine. And Matt's also a columnist for TV Ontario. Jamie Ellerton, founding partner at Canaptist and longtime political strategist. And Erin Morrison, longtime political strategist herself and now principal at Morris Communications. Let's start with some healthcare info, a new poll out by Leger that says only 17% of Canadians think there's any hope that our health care situation will improve in the next couple of years. Matt, let's start with you. I don't find this surprising, quite frankly, but get your take on it. I mean, I want to meet one of these 17% and ask them <laughs> what the hell is wrong with them. Like, I have to assume that the 17% are either really, really young and they have not yet, I mean, and God bless them, like they have not yet experienced any major health issues in their life, or they're just one of those really annoying people who like makes it all the way to 79 doing yoga and never experiences back pain or something. Like, again, God bless those people. But no, look, I, my family, thank God, is still in reasonably good health, and I include my, my parents in that, my in-laws. But we, you know, as the years go on, you have to navigate more and more issues in the healthcare system. And it's harder today than it used to be. Even managing fairly healthy bodies with fairly routine medical needs and issues, just the amount of effort that we as patients, as individuals, as family members need to put into kind of getting the same outcome we would have had to get a few years ago, it's it's noticeably worse. And by virtue of some of the work I've been doing over the course of the pandemic, I've gotten to know um, at fairly senior levels, a lot of really smart experts in the healthcare system or healthcare system participants. And the stories they're telling me are just spine tingling. They're terrifying. And 17% of Canadians don't think that the healthcare system is going well. My God, I want to meet these people because I could probably use their positivity. <laughs> you know, what you said is so true, Matt. Um, Jamie, I'll go to you next. But I, I need to make an appointment for my, my daughter's annual two of them, both the girls, and one of them needs some vaccines. And I have, I know it, and it's on my list every Monday morning to do that week. And I, it's the last thing I do because it is so difficult to just make an appointment, love our pediatrician, but getting a live body and dealing with the sort of red tape that they've built up because they're so stretched. Like, I, I just keep doing it. I'm a delinquent mother. Jamie, her thought on healthcare. I'm not surprised that the vast majority of people have no hope. I think even <laughs> if you are relatively healthy and regularly interact with the system, you're just like constantly frustrated by like, you have to call the doctor's office to make an appointment. You can't use some online link or send an email like you could even 10 years ago. Uh, and so it's like frustration abounds. And on the political side of this, I think why people have lost hope is uh, like Paul Martin's fix for a generation was like what, 2004 uh, and year after year, year every few years you hear like oh we're shoveling all this new money and we're fixing healthcare and yet the system continues to just degrade and can now this literally feels like uh, the worst denying in my life like bursting at the seams and so politicians are going to say one thing they're they're going to talk about all the money they're spending but the system itself is not getting fixed and like basic doing style of business of how you can get on just about anything else in your life the healthcare systems feel stuck to the air of fax machines and it's mind-boggling Aaron Morrison, are are you one of those seventeen percent that think healthcare is going to improve? 
Oh, heck no. I cannot figure <laughs> out who 17% are. I Look, the thing is, all of these experts that Matt's talking about and the, the politicians that Jamie's talking about, I mean, they they know what some of the answers are, right? We know that we can put more staff on every single shift in a hospital with better pay. We know we could make it quicker for internationally trained surgeons to be accredited here. We could make it free for people to go to school to become a healthcare worker. We could stop sending staff out into private clinics to do cataract surgeries instead of being in the ER where they're really needed. We could you know, like the, the list of uh, potential policy solutions, none of them are a silver bullet. None of them are a panacea. Like it's long, it's long and it's well known. But in order to do it, we have to have political will. We have to have politicians who are not interested in helping for-profit corporations make money off healthcare. Um, and we're just, we, we do not have that government right now, certainly not in Ontario. Or maybe the answer is more private care, but we will not discuss that further right now because it will take <laughs> us the rest of the show. Um, London, Ontario police are not commenting on a Globe and Mail report that five members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Hockey Team have been told to surrender to police to face charges of sexual assault. Of course, this is coming from now a, a well-known Hockey Canada gala that took place in June of 2018. Um, while this has not been confirmed, uh, what has been confirmed is that five players, unnamed so far, from that 2018 World Junior Team have taken a leave of absence from their clubs for what they say are personal reasons. Matt, I know you have some uh, knowledge of this entire situation and done a lot of thinking about this, just your general thoughts. We obviously are missing some information, which hopefully will roll out over the next couple of days. Yeah, I mean, on the general thoughts phase, Deb, I think you've put it exactly correctly. I think all of us are in a little bit of a holding pattern right now while we wait to find out more information. Um, there are rumors trickling out of who these guys are. I'm obviously not going to put those rumors onto the air, but we should have some information in a few days. And when we do, obviously, there's going to be a bigger conversation we have to have. But I think even right now, there's two conversations we could have. And I don't know if we have time to cover it, the four of us right now, but there's obviously the issue of cleaning up. Uh, sports. And th this is Hockey Canada as an organization that's got a lot of scrutiny in recent years. And I still think it's probably gotten off easy. I would have shut the entire damn thing down. I say this is a hockey fan, a guy who watches the juniors and is a dad with a kid in minor hockey today. I have no faith in Hockey Canada as an organization. And I think we should kill the damn thing. The other issue, of course, is law enforcement and whether or not this matter was ever properly investigated. And I, I don't mean to s start this off on a negative note, because I would like to think that, you know, if, if there are, if there was a crime committed here, I'd like to think that justice is imminent. But we also have to be realistic. This case is now five years in the rearview mirror. It's not going to be easy to get a guilty verdict on these charges, whatever they happen to be. Yeah, and of course there was that initial investigation that was closed until it, uh, you know, came out a little bit later that there was more to be, to be talked about. Jamie Ellerton, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think I just reacting to kind of two things. I think when it comes to Hockey Canada specifically, I think uh, you almost have to look at it like the Catholic Church. There were some people who were in charge in certain periods of time who did some terrible things, but the institution probably served some good, and I say that as an atheist. Uh, and you can't cast aspersions on all Catholics because of what some people did uh, while controlling the institution however many uh, years ago. Uh, and on the kind of like the bigger picture for society, I think Matt's right. Like uh, there, I think, is a reckoning of, of culture and sports that is increasingly coming to the fore 
forefront. Uh, ultimately, there's a woman at the center of all this uh, who we know has already filed a civil suit for damages against Hockey Canada. Uh, and to see London police reopen what it sounds like based off Global Mail reporting a criminal investigation with five now essentially pro hockey players in the NHL or elsewhere uh, coming to face real justice uh, and have their day in court is uh, ultimately, I think, a good thing. It shows that no one's above the law and uh, ultimately we have to trust the court process that any convictions will require them to prove guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But uh, there's hope for the woman at the center of all this that justice will be had. Aaron Morrison? Yeah, the culture of Hockey Canada is not going to change without real consequences uh, for anyone who may have engaged in criminal behavior. The fallout over the last 18 months has been, sure, civil suits, uh, sponsors uh, quitting, the board changing which butts are in which seats. And um, none of that really has had any sort of serious consequences for people who may uh, be alleged to have committed sexual crimes. Um, Some of these people may have gone on to have lovely careers in professional hockey with multi-million dollar paychecks. Um, So... Uh, I want Hockey Canada to survive, um, not, notwithstanding that I generally agree with Matt that they probably should have kind of blown it up and started over there. But I do want Hockey Canada to survive. I want the game to survive in this country. And I don't think we can do that without real consequences for anyone who has engaged in criminal behavior. Aaron Morrison, Jamie Ellerton, Matt Gurney, they will stay with me after the break for more with our smart speakers. You're listening to Deb Hutton. This is The Rush on News Talk 1010. Welcome back. This is Deb Hutton, and it is the second part of our time with our smart speakers this afternoon. Aaron Morrison, longtime political strategist and now the principal at Morrison Communications, Morris Comms, and Jamie Ellerton, founding partner at Canaptis and longtime political strategist, and Matt Gurney, co-founder and editor of The Line, an online magazine and columnist also for TV Ontario. So there is a report that says the cost to taxpayers of protecting our members of Parliament in Ottawa and abroad where they or beyond where they live has hit a record high. Security in the first nine months of uh, last year was $2.5 million. On pace, it would take you to 3.4 annually, and that would be double the year before. And that year before was up about half a million dollars from the year before that. This doesn't include the Prime Minister's security, and it does not include any security for the House of Commons and the Parliamentary Precinct security team. Erin, I'm going to start with you. Price of democracy or something we should be concerned about? Mm, Something we should be concerned about. Um, I think this is a reflection of the polarization in politics. And it's it's not just Canada, in fairness. We're seeing it all over the world. Um, And the problem in my mind is that more and more, some politicians are really stoking polarization for their own perceived political benefit. Um, You know, rage politics. Rage politics is dangerous politics. I cannot help but think back to uh, the American election night in 2008, John McCain's concession speech, where he said, Barack Obama and I don't agree on everything, but the one thing we agree on is that we love this country. And now I'm paraphrasing, but it's stuck in my mind because I think that's how you should behave in politics. Um, And it's not what we're seeing from too many political leaders right now. Jamie? Jamie? Do I have Jamie? All right, we'll go on to Matt. 
Sorry, Deb, I had you on mute. I had a coughing fit while oh, uh, I drank some water. Um, no, I think this is definitely the, kind of the, the cost of democracy. And I know from my time on the Hill, it's actually, it actually was rare for MPs to get security. Uh, even ministers didn't get an RCMP detail unless there was a very specific threat and risk combination that required it. Uh, I think when you do look at our polarized times, uh, and the people acting out uh, towards public figures increasingly. Uh, I think public figures need to be protected, and it's the cost of running a democratic country and electing people who uh, represent us in, in the House of Commons. Matt, I, I'm with Jamie on this one. I mean, we never like to spend money that we don't have to spend, but I, I just think you need to protect your elected officials in their day-to-day doing of their business. Yeah. And like you, you said a minute ago, you never like to spend money that you don't have to spend. I think often in Canada, we do have that problem. We probably are spending money on things we don't need to be spending it on. But I think we also often have the reverse problem, which is we're not spending on money. We do need to be spending money on things that we do need to be spending money on. And, you know, look across our society right now, and there are badly needed things that we should be funding either in, entirely or at least partially, and we're not. You know, Deb, when you, when you set up the topic, you had asked, is this uh, a bad like is this something to worry about or is this the the price of democracy and my answer to, to that question is yes like it, it's right. both of those things we we need to be worried about this but it's also the price of democracy here i'm not going to get that fussed about like keeping our elected officials safe for the cost of like a mediocre winger in the nhl but i think Ultimately, what interests me more than the tally is the trend, and the trend is bad. And I'm sure you guys have all seen this. I, I'm I'm not fully up to date on the story, but there was a, a security incident, a violent one, at Edmonton City Hall just yesterday. I'm kind of amazed, given the recent trend lines and some of the stuff we've seen in the United States, that we don't have more of these problems here. And I'm grateful we don't. But, I mean, are we a fluke? Are we an exception? Or are we just behind the curve a bit and it's coming our way? I don't know. So let's make sure the people who need it get the protection they deserve. Yeah. And I also really, really have a huge issue with, you know, protesters and others showing up at politicians' homes. Uh, So if we need to do more, in my view, we need to do more. There's a Liberal MP, Newfoundland MP Ken McDonald, who says Trudeau should face a leadership review. Now, many parties have built in leadership reviews after election losses, after wins, depending on the party. Um, Obviously, there's no formal mechanism right now to review the prime minister's time as leader. But do you think this will actually gain some traction, Aaron? Ooh, uh, devastating clips coming from Ken McDonald today. Um, I mean, he's a kind of salt of the earth guy known for being, um, I guess, a little bit outspoken. Um, and uh, honestly, I think um, I think he's reflecting what the Liberal caucus is feeling. They're in a full on panic spiral. We saw Last week, Yvonne Baker and the Toronto Liberal MPs do kind of a media blitz to fight with Olivia Chow because she called on the federal government to uh, fund shelter for asylum seekers. And, uh, you know, that was sort of a circuitous panic button. And I think Ken McDonald has really just hit the direct panic button. Well, and difficult heading into a caucus retreat, Jamie Ellerton. Yeah, so one of the things that makes the Liberal Party really weird compared to how political parties typically operate, Deb, is they don't really have members or constitutions and kind of like bylaws and how they follow these things in a rigid way. Like the modern Liberal Party as it exists kind of really is a a cult of, uh, of Justin Trudeau's and he has full control over the party. And so... If members uh, of the party writ large who only had to 
click the button that they want to sign up for an email list, they are now a liberal member, uh, want to do something, they're probably going to have to be more vocal about it. So when you look at how many liberal MPs are seeing now, what, month six, um, 40 points for the conservatives and the liberals south of 30, they know they're going to be out of a job after the next election. And they probably actually enjoy representing their constituents. So they're, if they want to see change and fight for their own actual jobs, they're going to increasingly be calling for the prime ministers. Yeah, Matt Gurney, I always joke that like uh, MPPs, MPs, who are tied to a leader, love the leader until they think that leader's not going to get them reelected. And they, what did I say? I think the other day they scurry like cockroaches when the lights go on. Is this the beginning of something that actually might have some roots? Honestly, for what it's worth, my, my gut feeling, even agreeing with everything my my learned co-panelists here have said, I, I tend to think Trudeau would survive any leadership challenge. I get there, there may... There may come a time when the numbers have been bad enough for long enough that that will change. But my own read on it right now is that this is not any particular love or loyalty for Justin Trudeau. It's a strategic calculation that they don't have anyone else who will do as well as him in English, Canada and Quebec at the same time. I think they have people they could turn to who would do well in Quebec, but would tank in the rest of the country. And I think they have people who would do okay in the rest of the country and tank in Quebec. I think Justin Trudeau, God help him right now, represents the sweet spot for the liberal leader. I don't think he's going to win the next election, but I think he might be their best chance to not lose the furniture along with the House. All right. On that very positive note, Matt Gurney, co-founder and editor of The Line, Jamie Ellerton, founding partner at Canaptis, and Aaron Morrison, principal at Morrison Comms. Thank you so much for joining me. We got through, as always, about a third of the topics I was hoping to chat about, but we will do more perhaps next week. Thanks so much for joining me. Coming up after the break, we're going to spend a little bit more time talking uh, with folks who can provide some insight to all of us on mental health, this being better. Let's Talk Day. And always I end the program with Jim Richards, who will come and talk to us about what's happening tonight on News Talk Tonight from 7 to 11. Stay with me.